Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. The show that is so bad, if it was a movie, Siskel and Ebert's thumbs would have fallen off. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Ooh, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. And on this week's show, the first of fall of 2023, uh, we'll continue the uh, Pipe Smoking 101 Revisited, and we'll be talking about the tamper. One episode talking about the tamper. And then my guest is uh, Jesse Culp, maker of Oliphant Pipes. Uh, music by request from a certain Kevin Godby, so if he requests something, we automatically do it. Mailbag and rant, all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And, uh, you know, fall is normally a busy, busy time for me. It always seems to be. You know, when the kids were in school, it was, uh, you know, getting back to school and starting up and then you know, all the marching band and football games and stuff like that. And uh, this year now, fall is filled with uh, prepping and planning for the Las Vegas International Pipe Show. Uh, if uh, all the uh, all the giveaways have been ordered, all the badges have been ordered, uh, stuff is starting to arrive, and uh, we're getting details set for next year's Las Vegas International Pipe Show, even before this year is done. Uh, speaking of pipe shows, Chicago has announced their dates and their new location. It's uh, April 11th through the 14th, and uh, we'll have that information up on PipesMagazine.com as soon as possible, or you can go to ChicagoPipeShow.com and uh, check that out. I hope they've got the website updated. But uh, save August, uh, April 11th through the 14th for Chicago. Uh, two weeks from today, I land in Las Vegas. Yeah, two weeks from today. So I'm looking forward to seeing an awful lot of you there. If you're coming to the show and you haven't uh, paid your registration yet, please go online and do that at VegasPipeShow.com. Prepay it online. Makes it easier for you when you check in. One less thing to have to do. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl, and here we go. Excuse me, Mr. Collins, but the show is starting. They, they need you on stage. Just one minute there, Charlie. I'm placing a bid for this great item on 10bids.com. Ever heard of them? Oh, sure. The Pipe Collector's Auction Site. Well, I just sold some nice things on there myself. Say, you don't see much of that anymore. Yes, you sure don't, Charlie. But 10bids.com sure has it. They have vintage and luxury tobaccos, pipes... Accessories? You name it. Tom, baby, we need you on stage. Okay, Ed. Uh, Charlie, take over for me, would you please? You got it, boss. Visit tinbids.com, the pipe collector's auction site, and sign up for free today. Hey, uh, Mr. Collins, you won! A Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe is the perfect pal. Going fishing, take your corncob pipe and see you back at dark 30. Hunting, your corncob pipe squares, it won't make a pop. Relaxing and reflecting, you add your corncob pipe at relax. 
Party time. Your corncob pipe doesn't produce a cool smoke for no reason. Let's just say your Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe gets you. Visit www.corncobpipe.com to get yours today. Missouri Meerschaum Company. Authentically original, authentically you. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, Pipe Smoking 101 Revisited, and we talked about the pipe and all the different parts of it. Now we're going to spend just just one episode talking about the tamper. And the tamper, in my opinion, is uh, the way you can, uh, you know, you, you've packed the bowl and you've pa- and you know how to pack it. Well, now the tamper is a way that you can screw that up the best possible way. All right, so first of all, what is the tamper? Uh, the tamper's job is to push the ash down on so that the flame can get to fresh tobacco down below. That's primarily what the tamper does. And the way people can screw that up is by tamping too heavily. I will literally just use the weight of the tamper to push the ash down because you, you don't want to crush the ash in it. You don't want to compact it too much. Remember, most packing techniques, you have more tobacco towards the top. And as you push stuff down, it's going to condense naturally. So you don't need to push it that heavy. All right. Uh, there are three basic tampers that I own and use. One of them is the required a three-piece pipe tool or check pipe tool and it has a tamper and it has a poker and it has what looks like to most people a little cocaine or snuff spoon uh the tamper portion is the flat one and there's multiple techniques of ways to tamp the poker is the obviously the poker part and i use that occasionally if i get a tight spot in a bowl i'll just poke a hole through it and that'll get some air going and that will make the bowl smoke you know smoke easier and then the little spoon part well i use that for cleaning out at the end Um, now the other tampers that i have uh, the eight deco brand i really appreciate what they do i love the pricing of it and that's because they have a nice large concave foot that's got little uh, ventilated holes in it so it doesn't snuff out the bowl and the concave helps me with my style of tamping is to keep the tobacco rounded away from the edges and a little bit higher in the middle. And that's the way that I prefer it. And then uh, Eight Deco also has a uh, they have a little scraper on one end, or some of them have a little screw out scraper that you can semi use as a poker. Uh, and then the other one is the black one that I used to that uh, Brigham used to sell and is no longer available. But it's basically a uh, plastic knockoff of what Dunhill and some other fancier brands were doing. And again, the concave foot is important to me because when I'm tamping, I'm trying to keep the tobacco away from the bowl side and building a little round dome in the middle. Now, that's the technique that works for me. If you go back and listen to Rich Esserman on a recent Pipe and Tamper episode, uh, you'll hear him talk about how he kind of makes a, a ramp in there, and that helps it get down you know, further towards the bottom. Um, all kinds of tamping techniques, all kinds of different tampers. The uh, tamper length, you may need a longer tamper for a bigger bowl. That may help. 
Uh, you may need, uh, you know, some people have fancier tampers and you'll see them all with different kinds of character shapes on them. Uh, and again, the, the idea is that, you know, maybe if you've got a little bit more weight on the tamper, well, you want to be a little bit more careful with tamping down. Uh, maybe you want to have a tamper that's got a little scraper that's available if you want to break up the ash that's on top and dump it. Uh, maybe you want to ha make sure you have a tamper that's got a poker nearby so that maybe if you're working with a flake tobacco or something like that, well, you need to, you need to break it up or get a little air hole going without dumping everything out. So the tampers, multiple different styles of them. Uh, I have them in uh, sterling silver and I've got one really fancy one that was made for me by one of the show listeners. That's got, uh, that's got some lightning Ridge opal in it and it's just beautiful. But uh, the fancier the tamper, and I know Fred Hanna has joked about this before, uh, the fancier the tamper is does not make your tobacco smoke better. It doesn't, but it does make you feel better when you got a nice fancy looking tamper. Uh, and again, just be careful, all right? Just really be careful with getting too much pressure on that bowl top and compacting the tobacco down. Uh, make sure that you have the right tampers for the right situations. You know, most of my tampers are inexpensive, so if I lose them, I'm not gonna be heartbroken. And the and the reason I like the little black uh, the black ones that we used to sell at Brigham is because when you close it up and you know, when the tamper screws into the black plastic cover, uh, well, that means that the ash doesn't go rolling around in my pocket. Uh, I will suggest that you make sure that you keep your tampers clean so that they are, you know, so that they're not built up with a bunch of cake and you're not dumping cake on top of them. And do really be careful when you're scraping against the bowl side because you can take off bowl coating or cake and you just want to be careful. You just don't want to scrape the side of it too hard. You don't want to hit the too hard, hit the side of the bowl too hard when you're using the scraper either. Because uh, remember, you're, you're not reaming the bowl. You're just tamping the tobacco down so that you can get your flame closer to fresh tobacco. All right. Comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, make sure you have plenty of tampers handy. And uh, when I travel, like I'm going to to Las Vegas, I make sure that I bring two tampers in case I lose one because you don't want to go trying to buy a tamper in Las Vegas somewhere. They won't know what you're talking about. All right, in just a moment, my conversation with Jesse Culp. This is Internet Radio. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell & Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenet's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell & Deal's Cellar Series. The secret ingredient is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information. 
We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us is a pipe maker whose pipes I got to see and got to put, I, I, I put my finger in one of your bowls uh, <laughs> a couple weeks back at the uh, at the NASPC show, or whenever that was. Boy, the summer's flying by. But from Oliphant Pipes, Jesse Culp, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thanks. Uh, appreciate you having me on. Yeah. So, all right. So, let's get to know you. Um, where did you grow up? You're still young and and cheerful and happy, so you haven't been beaten down too badly by the world. But uh, what did you want to be when you grew up and all that stuff? Um. So, I was born in Pennsylvania, uh, but I grew up uh, kind of up and down the East Coast. Uh, we moved around a good bit. Um. Uh, my my father was uh, well is a uh, a priest, uh, so oh. we moved kind of from parish to parish a little bit. Um, most of most of my uh, childhood was uh, spent uh, between like North and South Carolina. Huh, I know that area well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you want to be when you grew up? Um. Well, the first thing I ever uh, wanted to be was a cowboy. Yay. Um, <laughs> that did, didn't turn out. Uh, I had uh, aspirations for a period of time uh, of being a paleontologist. <laughs> <laughs> that also didn't turn out. Um, so, uh, you know, I just ended up uh, going to school and uh, became, uh, well, currently my, I'm working as uh, a uh, buyer uh, for a sheet metal fabricator. Uh, and I have a degree in uh, supply chain and operations management. So you're actually doing what your degree, what your degree kind of taught you. Well, yeah, because I started doing it before I w- went to get my degree. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, kids, there you go. Go get the job and then get the degree for it. Yep. Yeah. All right. uh, what was it like growing up as a as the as the preacher's kid? I mean. I guess with and with moving a whole bunch, that had to be uh, a little rough. But yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't too bad. Um, uh, you know, I. I mean, it was normal for me. So yeah, <laughs> but it, yeah, it was. It was a little different. I guess. Were you one of those wild preachers' kids, or were you one of those well-behaved preachers' kids? Uh well, I had my moments. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> You know, uh, I, it, so tobacco was not the first thing I smoked. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yep. Duly noted. Uh, <laughs> speaking of tobacco, when did, when did the pipe come into your life and how? Um, so my, uh, my grandfather was a pipe smoker. Um, and, uh, my parents read, uh, the Lord of the Rings to us, uh, while we were growing up. Oh, cool. And yeah, so, uh, those two things. And I also knew my, my father, he didn't smoke a pipe when I was young. Uh, he had quit, uh, before I was born, but, but I knew that he had smoked a pipe, uh, for a long time, uh, previously. So I was aware of all of that. And, uh, and then that plus the Lord of the Rings, you know, uh, <laughs> it was, it was a foregone conclusion that, uh, you know, when I turned 18, that I would, I would start smoking a pipe. <laughs> and and your parents were okay with that? Oh, sure. Yeah, cuz well, cuz I have two older brothers and and when they turned 18, they both started smoking pipe and 
got my dad back into it. Um, so, uh, my, my oldest brother, he, uh, he gave me, uh, one of his pipes, uh, and some, uh, uh, Lane BCA. Uh, that was the first okay. thing I smoked. So at least he didn't start you off on a really bad tobacco, but he started you off right. on, a, on a decent, yeah, a decent version. Yeah. Of I, I always thought, I always thought it was good. I still smoke it every once in a while. It, it's yeah. not, not one of those super bitey aromatics. Yeah, well, if you if you consider BCA as part of one Q and then part of most of the Captain Black line, it is the number one selling tobacco in the United States. So it can't be all that bad, right? Yep. Yeah. It's so it's I guess with the older brothers and everything, then pipe smoking was just kind of it. It was kind of the the thing that you were going to do. Yep. Yeah. Uh, now, how old are you now? Because you you look awfully young, but. Well, I appreciate that. Um, uh, next month, or well, not next month. Well, maybe next month. By the time this airs in October, uh, I will be forty. All right. So you look a lot younger than you are, but you're an October birthday, so you're wonderful. <laughs> Were you born in October as well? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Yeah. And all the October babies are better than everybody else, and the rest of you. <laughs> sorry. Of sorry, you other eleven months, you lose. Um, yeah, so, and I'm and I'm fascinated because all right, so your parents actually read you guys the Lord of the Rings. Yes, I, I mean that that's fairly kind of progressive for a preacher's for a preacher's family story time. Well, I, I mean it's I mean it's it is you know an allegory. So I mean it, there are there are Christian undertones. <laughs> it to, is to the Lord of the Rings, so. Yeah, and it is I, I, it is the good versus evil, right? Uh, so uh, let's see if we di- if we dissect uh, the Lord of the Rings into Christianity, how would uh, I don't even know enough about it to do that? So, <laughs> well, so um, so Boromir, uh, yeah. he he was uh, the, the keeper of a land before the the the, the rightful king came back, right? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of, uh, analogous to, um, to humanity, you know, being, being, uh, the keepers of, of the earth before, uh, you know, Jesus comes back and that's, that's one way I'm sure there's, there's a lot, a lot more, uh, in there, but, uh, that's, that's one thing that I remember off the top of my head. And I guess Gandalf rose from the ashes. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of, you know, resurrection type, uh, you know. Uh, tran- transfiguration, you know, uh, imagery there for sure. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I'm, I just think your parents are cool all of a sudden. Um, I'd, I'd like to, <laughs> I, I, I like to think so too. I, yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to go to a church where the, where the preacher is talking about, you know, the Bible and the, and the Silmarillion and all that stuff. And that'd be fun. Um, but anyway, um, so pipe smoking became a daily thing for you and you were, you were kind of following it for a while or did you take a break? Um, there were periods of time where I didn't smoke a pipe much. Um, as shortly after I started smoking a pipe, I got interested in cigars also due to my, my older brother. Um, and so when I was in college the first time, uh, I was probably more into cigars for a period of the time. Uh, 
of course, one, I couldn't afford them, but <laughs> that didn't stop me. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I pretty much, yeah, I mean, for the most part, since I was 18, 19, yeah, I've, I've smoked a pipe. In the last, I don't know, 15 years, uh, I've, I've pretty much smoked a pipe uh, daily. So is it something that you do at the end of the day or... Yeah, or is it something that you're doing as a as a treat to yourself? Uh, yeah, kind of, but but not necessarily at the end of the day. You know, I mm-hmm. I, I smoke a, a pipe. Well, two, I smoke like two to three pipes a day. Um, usually my first one at, at this point. Usually my first one is uh, in the morning. I, I get up and I take the dogs for a walk and uh, you know have a pipe uh, before work and uh, and then you know I might have a pipe on lunch. Um, Oh, I'm not supposed to smoke in the car, but uh, occasionally I, I might I might smoke while I'm driving. <laughs> Don't worry, this isn't being recorded and sent out to thousands right. of people. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> My wife's aware; uh, yeah. she's not happy about it. But <laughs> um, and then and then I'll I'll usually have a pipe uh, when I'm out in the garage uh, working on making pipes. Yeah. So did, so then you. Used- did you go down the road of pipe collecting and hoarding tobaccos and uh, aging and all that fun stuff? Yeah. Um, so I I started uh, when I was first uh, started smoking a pipe. I, I was kind of into estate pipes. Mm-hmm. I bought a lot of pipes on eBay. Um, but of course, at that at that point, you know, I I had so little money that I I wasn't you know I was interested in like like. Uh, Stanwell and and GBD and Kamoy, yeah, um, you know all all those those kind of uh, you know uh, history um, brands, um, but I couldn't even afford the, the the first, so I was I was looking for seconds of, of those. Right, like I, I really for a while I was into um, Royal Danish. Uh, it was a it was a line uh, of that was a second of of. Uh, Stanwell, um, they they're blasted, mm-hmm. but then they have like a smooth panel on on either side of the bowl. Uh, so I, I like those a lot. All right, we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll start talking about uh, about Oliphant pipes and the name and how that happened. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Miele 100,000 welcomes. Wherever you come from, whosoever you be. We are back 
on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with Jesse Culp of Oliphant Pipes. The Instagram is O L I P H A N T Pipes, Oliphant Pipes. Uh, Jesse, that's the best place to go and see your pipes and communicate with you. Yeah, definitely Instagram. I'm I'm also on Facebook, but it's basically uh, what I'm posting on Instagram reproduced on Facebook. So. Yeah, same thing, same company. I don't right. I, I don't understand what Threads is because I guess it's the same company again, just with a different thing. So I I don't care. Um, yeah. Let, let's talk about. All right. So how did you? How and why did you want to get started making pipes? Um. Well, so I've already uh, always had uh, a, a artistic bent. You know, um, I, I like doing things with my hands. And, uh, after I'd been smoking a pipe for a few years, you know, I, I kind of got the idea that I might like to try making a pipe at some point. Um, but it, 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 it took a while before I was in a position, you know, with, as far as, you know, having, having space and, and, and money to be able to do it. Um, so I, I started, I, I made my first pipe in, in 2014, okay. um, from a, from a pipe kit. Uh, that I got from uh, Mark Tinsky. Um, and, and I just, you know, I made a few more kits after that. And uh, then, uh, so my, my first pipe, uh, I, I was actually using just like a hacksaw to cut away some of the, some of the excess uh, wood. <laughs> and I didn't realize until I stained the pipe uh, and, and was pretty much finished with it, but there was a big crack uh, right between uh, the, the the junction between the shank and the bowl. Oh boy! Uh, yeah. So I was I was pretty pretty disappointed with that, and I and I was trying to figure out well how did that happen because I didn't notice it at all you know throughout the process of making it, and I figured that it was the vibration from you know putting the putting the block in a vice and then you know just going <laughs> after it with a hacksaw. So I decided I'll, I need a I need a bandsaw. So I, I went uh, uh, on Craigslist and found a used bandsaw, looking for a used bandsaw, and I found a guy that was selling uh, not just a bandsaw, but also a, a an old Craftsman wood lathe wow. uh, for like 150 bucks. So that seemed like a good deal to me. I okayed it with the wife, and I went and got that, and, <laughs> and that's, what I, that's what I've been using since then. Little did she know how much that, that deal was going to cost you in the future. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, now, now most pipe makers will use a metal lathe, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the, the cost difference between a, a wood lathe and a metal lathe is, lathe is, 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 is huge. Yeah. Um, you definitely can't get one for, uh, you know, 75 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't, I, I do actually have, a, a small um like hobbyist metal lathe um but at the moment uh in my current current uh shop i don't really have space for it um uh, eventually I'll, I'll use that when when i'm uh doing uh hand cut stems and i'll, I'll <laughs> you know find some space for it so is that part of it? So I guess some of, some of your pipes, uh, the, the pipes that I saw recently, you do some interesting, some really interesting rustication and some other patterns on them. Thanks. Uh, is, 
is that more your artistic style coming out or is that more forced by the equipment or is it a combination of both or all three? Uh, no, it's, it's, that's more, more of, of my artistic style, uh, I, I guess, but it's also, I mean, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's grounded in, in, in what, um, like, like Tom L. Tang and, and Michael Sebastian Bay and, and, uh, Loma pipes, uh, do, uh, I mean, I, I, I saw those, those rustications actually it was, uh, um, Loma, uh, Loma's rustication that, that really, uh, got my attention first. And then I found out that, that he was a student of, of El Tang <laughs> and I kind of started to, to study, you know, that rustication and, and, and work on trying to figure out, oh, how, how are they doing this? Um, because it just, it's, it's different than, than anything else, you know, that, that you see. Um, and if I found out, uh, that, that they're, they're using a, a drill bit that's, that's, uh, spinning in the lathe to do it, yeah. which at first seems really scary <laughs> <laughs> in a way, you know, in a way, but, uh, it, it works pretty well you know, once, once you get used to it. How many fingers do you have left now? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have all my fingers. Um, I actually, uh, I actually did injure one of my fingers before I found out that, that that's, that's how they were, were doing the rustication because I was trying all kinds of different tools. And, and one of the things that I tried was a, uh, a small gouge. Um, and, and I was, uh, working on a scrap piece of briar and I, I dug the gouge in and kind of twisted it to pop a chunk of, of, of briar out. <laughs> uh Oh, and I, yeah, and I, I I was liking how it was working uh, until I got to the corner of of the block, and the whole corner broke off, and the gouge went almost through uh, my index finger on my left hand. Ow! Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, so it actually didn't hurt much, but that I found later found out that was because I nicked a nerve, and <laughs> that nerve when it when it when it was nicked, it, it kind of went dead. So I didn't really feel it, um, but but I started uh, worrying when I realized that I couldn't bend my finger because uh, I had severed the tendons in that finger. <clears throat> On that note, um, <laughs> <laughs> so the pipe that I saw that kind of really impressed me was a uh, was kind of a larger Dublin where you brought the rustication in a row up from the shank all the way and then brought it up the bowl and i guess on a on a podcast this is really a bad pipe to try to describe what i saw and what you did so go to his instagram and you'll see a picture of it but that's that whole is that that whole process going all the way up the shank and around and just following yeah. it and yeah yep yep so I, I usually rusticate the bowl first and then i'll rusticate the shank but yeah i mean it's yeah it's a, it's all it's all with with a drill bit and and i don't so, you know, I, I say that I'm, I'm, I'm imitating, you know, uh, you know, those, those Danish carvers, uh, rustication, but it, it is, it is unique because I, obviously I don't know everything that they're doing and, and I'm not also not trying to copy them. So, I mean, it's, uh, yeah. So, so I, you know, I, I'll rusticate it and I play around with the pattern that I use. I don't always use the same thing, you know, um, yeah. 
when you when you're shaping a pipe like that and you know you're going to rusticate it are you leaving a little extra meat there so that if you start going too deep on the shank you don't go into the draft hole um yeah a, a, a little bit a little bit um but but also i mean that part of i mean i I, def, I i leave enough i leave enough room so that so that i'm not worried about that but i'm also not i mean i'm going deep but i'm not going that deep um i'm not in the way I, the way the way i'm doing it i'm not worried that i that i would really drill right through the pipe i've never done that <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah I, I leave a little bit extra but but also i mean the, the way i shape um i'm i'm really I have kind of a minimalist, you know, uh, process and I, and I want to remove as much wood as I can because I want to make really light pipes because just because that's, that I tend to have a tendency to do that because I, I tend to clench my pipes. So I'm just trying to make, you know, a lighter pipe that, that, that wouldn't be horrible to clench. And now I don't, I don't want everybody to think that every pipe that Jesse makes is rusticated because you also make some smooths and you know, you, you do other stuff like that, but uh, the, yeah, yeah, this rustication process just kind of really caught my, caught my eye as something that, you know, looked different and the way you yeah. did it looked different. And all I'm picturing now is you standing there at the end of the lathe with a little drill bit and you're just going, uh, one divot in, <sighs> okay, made it. And then move a little bit to the left and go another divot and then going back. And then you have to go back and smooth the pipe out when you're, when you're finished. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit, you know, I'll, I'll take, I'll take a, a wire brush, uh, and, and, and take down some of the high spots, make, make sure there isn't any loose, loose briar that's, that's going to fall off, you know, uh, down the line. Um, and then, and then, I'll, you know, like, like the one you were talking about, I had a, I had a smooth rim, uh, yeah. and so I'll go back and sand, sand the rim down and make that nice. And, and the area where I'm going to stamp, you know, sand that down as well. How long is that process? I mean, how much time do you have into that pipe? The the, the just the one that I'm picking on because, as for an example, the, the entire process. It's probably, uh, probably four to six hours, uh, total of, of active time, uh, over, over a few days. Yeah, so so it's not uh, it doesn't make the pipe making process faster for you. It it's <laughs> right. Yeah. Um where do your pipes start out at price wise? Um I'm 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 fairly affordable um and I, so I do some some pipes where I I start with a a uh, a factory stummel. Mm -hmm. And and those I'm I'm selling at like $75 a piece. Uh, just because there's there's a lot less work that goes into making those, um, and then uh, my rusticated pipes uh, for a small rustication, uh, it could be as 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 low as uh, 100 125. Um, top end at at this point is is about 250. And that's the other reason I wanted to have you on the show because not every pipe has to cost five thousand dollars either. Right. Yeah, yep. and that's that's important to me because I I know, you know, there 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 are a lot of pipe <laughs> pipe smokers out there that that they can't ex afford, you know, extremely expensive pipes. You know, for a long time I, w I was I was one of those myself, and and I've always wanted to, you know, to make something that's a little bit more more uh, accessible 
Um, I'm sure as, as I get more and more experience, you know, uh, I'll make, I'll make pipes that are, that are a bit more expensive. Um, but I'm also, so I'm, I'm using for the most part, uh, I'm, I'm using pre-made stems. Um, so that, that helps, you know, me allow me to keep some of my time and, and cost down. Um, I, I plan on, uh, later this year, uh, you know, focusing on, on, uh, doing hand cut stems and, and adding that I, I don't think I'll ever get away from, from using uh, pre-made stems, at least in, in some of my pipes because, because the way I, uh, I, I look at it, I want to have, you know, a few different tiers, you know, so that I have, you know, pipes that are out there that are, that are accessible, you know, yeah. to, to the, to the new smoker or, or the, the more, uh, you know, price conscious collector. Or, or even some of us higher end guys that we want a pipe that, you know, we, that we can put in our pocket without worrying about. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely, I mean, that's how, what, what I do with my pipes, even the ones that are uh, a little more expensive. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a little rough on pipes. <laughs> yeah, well, I, listen, I believe they're all meant to be, to be smoked. So smoked and bit on. So, you know, Yep. Uh, but with the pre with the pre-made stems, I mean, you're you're still having to finish the shape of that stem down to the pipe and and polish oh, sure, it yeah. and smooth it. So it's not just okay. I'm just going to shove that in that hole and I'm done. I mean, right? Yeah. You know, there's there's still work in there. Oh, for sure. And stem work sucks. Uh, yeah. according, according to most people. Uh, I've going through your Instagram. The other thing that caught my eye is, um, there's, there's a couple of dogs that occasionally show up. Oh yeah. Um, you say do- dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I have, I, I have, uh, a, a beagle, uh, yeah. beagle boxer mix right now. Um, I, before that I had a, a beagle and a basset hound. They both passed on. Uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of beagles. So yeah. Yeah. You love beagles. Yeah. You're born in October and I saw the beagles. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so does that mean that, uh, does that mean that Jesse likes to go hunting since you have all hound dogs? Or I don't hound? actually, you know, I, w- I would love to, but I, I really don't need another hobby. <laughs> and plus i i think that would freak my wife out um she she's just she's definitely afraid of, of losing her dogs <laughs> <laughs> is she more afraid of losing the dogs or you losing a finger or two probably the dogs yeah okay then she's got her priorities right all right good right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on that note we'll wrap this up with the fast five final questions no right answer no wrong answer just whatever comes to your mind are you ready Sure. So what is your favorite pipe? Um, so probably my favorite uh, shape is uh, would be a straight billiard. Just because of the classicness of it and Yeah, and, and there's just there's so many little things that you can that you can do to, to, to make it a different pipe and, and, and I, I, I like like the nuance, you know, of it. You just change change the length of the shank, and it's 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 just something different, you know, or the or the height of the bowl, yeah. um, or tilt it forward, or yeah. Uh, what is your favorite tobacco? Um, so I have two. Uh, so my my favorite tobacco for uh, tobacco of occasion uh, would be a scudo, 
And then uh, my favorite uh, tobacco for every day is uh, fourth generation 1855, which is a uh, straight uh, Virginia, kind of like a golden, golden Virginia. And uh, it's, it's just a great uh, ready rub uh, tobacco. Them's pretty fancy tobaccos for a preacher's son. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. My, my dad, uh, when, when he was, uh, smoking a pipe the first time, his, his, uh, his daily smoke was, uh, flying Dutchman. That's pretty fancy tobacco for a preacher, but <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't a preacher at the time. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite drink? Um, so coffee and, uh, bourbon. And there's a few pictures of bourbon and stuff on your Instagram or yep. whiskeys or other liquors of stuff that I don't understand yep. and probably some names that I couldn't pronounce. So, uh, <laughs> when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie or music? Um, I, I kind of, kind of, uh, take, uh, pipe making as my relaxation. <laughs> um, and so usually I'm listening to music or, or a podcast, uh, Good, good portion of the time I'm listening to you, Brian. I apologize. You know, there's other good pipe-related <laughs> podcasts out there. Oh, yeah, I listen to those, too. Okay, good. All right, yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite pipe-smoking-related memory? Um, so probably uh, just, just one that's coming to mind. Uh, would be um, when I was first starting to, to smoke a pipe, um, I, I was visiting my dad and, uh, I think I, I had brought him, uh, a tobacco from, uh, GLPs. I don't, I don't recall what tobacco it was, but I think it was, a it was, a, a Balkan. And, um, my dad actually, he remembers, uh, uh, from when he was smoking in the sixties and seventies, he remembers the, uh, old, uh, Balkan Sobrani, uh, uh, 759. Yeah. And that was actually one of his, one of his, uh, you know, favorite tobaccos. Um, and so he's been looking for that, you know, he's, he's bought a, a tin here or there, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and he was talking to me about Balkans and, and kind of teaching me about them. And, um, he, he told me to, you know, make sure that I, that I, uh, you know, blew the smoke out my nose that I retrohaled. Uh, you know, cause he, he felt like you could really kind of taste the, the Orientals, uh, by doing that and just, I don't know, it was just a, a good memory, you know, from when I, yeah. when I first started smoking and, and, you know, having my dad teach me some, some stuff about it. I'm, I'm pretty sure Gandalf blew smoke out of his nose too. Yeah. And it turned into a sailing ship and fireworks afterwards. Yeah, right. but, you know. right. yeah that, that didn't happen, but yeah. <laughs> for, for us, yeah. So again, it's Oliphant Pipes, O-L-I-P-H-A-N-T Pipes on Instagram and all those other places. Jesse, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for doing some interesting and fun and, and approachable pipes. Thank you, Brian. I, I appreciate you having me on. And we'll be back in just a minute. Take a look at your pipe rack. Are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation? Or are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore? Through SmokingPipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. 
Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack, inspect, and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit, valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of Smoking Pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888-366-0345. That's 888-366-0345. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yeah, check out what Jesse's doing. I really I really love the fact that he's playing with rustication and doing it a little bit differently. So. Check them out. All right. For music, as I said, uh, requested by a certain Kevin Godby. Uh, this is a band called Stories, which I'd never heard of until I read a little bit about them on Wikipedia this morning. And they were a, a 70s rock pop band based out of New York. They had a couple of albums. And uh, Kevin wanted to hear this one. It's called Brother Louie.
That is some uh, pretty forward-thinking and uh, progressive uh, social stance there, considering this was like 1972. Uh, the band is Stories, S-T-O-R-I-E-S. Check them out. Mm, message from the dark side there is. Mailbag comments and questions or comments and suggestions or anything can be emailed directly to me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at PipesMagazine.com or posted on the Pipes Magazine radio show page at PipesMagazine.com, just like Dino does every week. And for last week's show, Dino says this segment with John David Cole that I found most, uh, the segment with John David Cole that I found most interesting was the discussion of limited edition tobaccos. Also, the comments about pipe shows were right on point. That was an achingly beautiful Bach piece by Pablo Casals, and yes, everyone watched the video. Thanks for an obviously heartfelt expression of appreciation to those who have helped keep this show always entertaining, and thanks for the shout-out to, uh, to Dan and me, Dino. You're welcome, Dino. And uh, speaking of Dan, Casey Ghost says... It was a wonderful show highlighted by a visit by the country squire hobbit, John David Cole. It is always a pleasure to hear his voice. The discussion of limited edition tobaccos was very informative. I find limited editions to be very aggravating. I've tried a number of these and found them rather pedestrian, but every now and again there is an occasional blend that I really like. Fortunately, none of them have been the white whale. I really enjoyed the music piece. Casals could play the phone book, and I'd turn it up to listen. The great masters are just amazing. Uh, nice of you to give me and Dino a shout-out. I'd be remiss if I didn't say you are the key ingredient in holding this show together. Kudos to you, and hopefully another 11 years to boot. Thanks, Dan. Uh, we'll see about 11 years. I'll be, uh, oh boy, I'll be old. Um, <laughs> and, well, not as old as Casey Ghost and Dino, but... Uh, and then Renfield says, my sincere thanks for 12 educational and always entertaining years. Here's to many more. Huzzah. The work it takes to produce the show at such a consistently high level of quality week after week is greatly appreciated. It was also great to hear from John David again. You guys have been my virtual pipe shop and weekly respite from the general stupidity out there for a long time, Renfield. Yeah, thank you. And then uh, Trout Time says, congratulations on the 575th show. What a milestone. Who would have thought you could last this long? You know, I always loved John David on the show, and he didn't disappoint. His insight and knowledge is always educational. I hope to be listening to you another 12 years. Well, we'll give it a try. But thank you. And Andy SC 83 says, hi, Brian. I've been listening to you since 2012. And it's something I look forward to each week. So a big congrats on starting the new season, and here's to many more. For last week's episode, always a treat hearing John David Cole. The discussion on the small batch tobaccos is something I think about a lot, as I feel like I get FOMO around all the new releases, but then I also hate finding something I really like and never being able to get it again. Yeah, that's uh, that's my biggest issue. Um and then going back, uh, let's see, on the emails, Jim writes, uh, Brian, congratulations on your 12th season. Thank you for your dedication to our hobby and passing on much appreciated information and knowledge about pipes and pipe tobacco. Blessings for another 12 seasons, Jim. Thank you. And uh, Ethan wrote about uh, episode 575. He said, Brian, I thoroughly enjoyed the podcast this week. 
Your discussion with John David about limited releases really affirmed my perspective on not gambling with something that's limited and finding what is readily available to stock up and enjoy. It may be contrary to many who feel the need to buy their limit on limited releases, but I've seen too many go on the secondary market partnered with the comment, I just didn't like it that much. Uh, try before you buy still reigns supreme. Something I've noticed as a carryover from my hobby as a musician is the limited release models that become flops. Something that happens even more frequently is that the model is just a standard model with someone's name slapped on the headstock. More money for not much more instrument. Maybe that is why I view tobacco the way I do. I've found what I like and I stick to it without much variation. Uh, as Pastor Joda and I were discussing at a recent meetup at McCraney's, we missed you and look forward to next time, uh, I noted how I've grown rather averse to aromatics and even Englishes just don't seem to suit my fancy. Alas, I'm relegated to the world of Vapors, Virginias, and Burleys if I have to, but hey, there are a ton of them and that's just fine with me. From your pragmatic piping pal, cheers, Ethan. Uh, P.S. The recent episode featuring Bon Iver, bon Iver brought back fond memories of smoking my pipe and studying at Boda Pipes and Cigars while listening to that music. Sometimes music can evoke such a wonderful, powerful memories. Uh, such wonderful, powerful memories. Yeah, you know, sometimes I can hear a song and I can remember exactly the time and place when I first heard it. Uh, and then uh, Ben from Canada writes, Hey, Brian, I've absolutely loved listening to the Tedeschi Trucks Band while smoking some Capstan Blue on my way home from work. That must have been the first time I've ever truly tuned in and dropped out. It also brought about a wave of happiness that washed over me while thinking about how lucky I am to be part of such an amazing community. The seeming isolation from other pipe smokers in Canada gets broken away every time I get to hear familiar voices like John David Coles, Jay Furman's, and yes, yours too. Um, I've heard that it's good for your health to have more John David in your life and can't wait for the next time you have him on. As far as the young person's perspective on pipe smoking goes, I've found that there continues to be a respect for pipe smoking antiquated as a practice may seem to those who've never seen it in person. A major eye-opener to the uninitiated is also that inhaling isn't required, which I feel helps make it seem less intimidating to try, especially to someone who's never smoked before. Not sure what this 24-year-old observations are worth, but I figured I'd offer it up. Uh, though I'm sure things are ramping up for you as the Vegas pipe show nears. Is there any chance you'll be making it to the Capitol land show? That was last week or 10 days ago. And, uh, sorry, I won't. And then he says, Oh, the best part. Kayla sends you many hugs and kisses. Kind regards from Southern Ontario. P.S. I'd like to apologize for taking so long to say thank you very much for the birthday shout out. You gave Kayla, put a brilliant smile on her face and made her week hearing that. Oh, good. All right. And again, we're catching up on uh, mailbag here. And uh, Mike writes, uh, love the Brandon Frady interview. He says, hey, Brian, as always, and I do mean always, I really enjoyed the latest episode of, of the uh, Pipes Magazine radio show. I've been a student of pipes and tobacco since I wrote a research paper in the late 1990s on early tobacco and pipe use 
in the 17th century Dutch art when I noticed all these paintings with white pipes in them. I was studying art history at the time in college. Uh, it, was it was a fascinating study, and I pulled out the paper for nostalgia's sake after the interview with Brandon and reread it. Fun trip down memory lane. Uh, that research paper actually led me to pick up my first pipe at Golden Leaf Tobacco Store here in Minneapolis, where I lived and have been an on-and-off pipe smoker ever since, uh, really, on the, on, really on for the past five years. I'm also fascinated at the number of thinkers, artists, writers, etc. that smoke pipes, as you, guys were, as you guys were discussing. As a pastor, I often take note especially of how, of how so many of the great theologians were pipe smokers. Karl Barth, Paul Tillich, Reinhold Niebuhr, not to mention, of course, C.S. Lewis. I've always, uh, I've always seen pipe smoking and making as a spiritual endeavor, so I guess I'm not surprised. Anyway, thanks for putting out such a wonderful show each week. Listening to it is truly one of the highlights of my week and often leads me down memory lane. Happy smoking, Mike in Florida. Thank you, Mike. I love that. Yeah, a lot of those Dutch artists and a lot of, well, the Dutch really took to pipe smoking anyway. Uh, and then finally, going back a couple weeks uh, from Spike, uh, Brian, Mrs. Spike, and I really enjoyed your discussion with Michael DiCuccio. I especially liked his appreciation for Sassini pipes because it brought back good old memories. In the early 1980s, I was still in Chicago, and Elon Reese acquired an extra-large stock of Sassini's from the European factory. Elon Reese then held a huge sale. If memory serves, four dots were $40 to $70. The sale lasted many months, during which I bought nine or ten of them. My office was just three blocks from Elon Reese, so I was so I wasn't strong enough to fight temptation. I eventually traded them through the years, but Michael made me wish I had kept at least one. Best to you and Michael, Spike. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of Sassinis that I wish I had bought or I wish I still had. But anyway. Uh, all right. Comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And the best thing you can do is go on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and a review. Uh, and if you remember back, uh, Exodus first timer, uh, wrote a two star review. Well, he changed it to five stars. And again, thank you very much. And he does say Brian does a wonderful job with the show balancing humor of not humor and knowledge of pipes and tobacco. He has a great rapport with the guests, which makes the show fluid and engaging. My one criticism is that some of the sound effects for the, uh, well, the rest of it got trunked off. Um, Anyway, he's the one that didn't like the sound effects, so there you go. And uh, Dave Peterson, my partner, congratulations on 11 years of the Pipes Magazine radio show and a five-star review. Uh, Dave, I'm surprised that's the first time you've reviewed us, uh, reviewed the show, I guess, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, again, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, ratings and reviews, much appreciated. And uh, Rant Time's coming up next. Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. 
with a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. talk about friends okay let's talk about friends because uh, facebook has changed what it means to be a friend and uh, these new kid, these young kids nowadays you young kids out there uh, have multiple best friends bffs well there can only be one best and i've had and i've cranked about that before but uh here it goes in a recent discussion this weekend with the uh with the in-laws uh, i came up with a definition for what a friend is a friend is, and this is my definition, and you're welcome to it, and I'm the leading expert on my own opinion, and here it goes. Uh, a friend is something that you've shared something personal with, but they haven't seen you naked, all right? So every one of you that listens to this show, I've shared something personal with you over the years, and I haven't seen you naked, so you're all friends of mine, all right? So that's my definition of friend. Now, a good friend is somebody that you've shared multiple personal things with and you have this, you know, you have a good relationship with uh, and you still haven't seen them naked. And a and then you have one best friend and that's a best friend that you share stuff back and forth with and you keep forever and you still haven't seen them naked because once you've seen them naked, then they become a relationship and then uh, so on and so on. Now, in my case, you know, I'm lucky. My wife and I are really good friends, and yeah, we've seen each other naked, and trust me, for her, thank God her eyes are getting bad because that site's not a lot to see anyway. But uh, just because we're friends on Facebook doesn't mean that, you know, I have 4,000 friends there. Well, it doesn't mean that they're all friends of mine. Uh, you know, I haven't, they haven't shared, we haven't shared something personal with each other, but and I definitely, well, some of them I've seen naked and those pictures get blocked real quick. Um, anyway, therefore, my new definition is a friend is somebody that you've shared something personal with, but you haven't seen them naked. And everybody that listens to the show, you're a friend of mine. So there you go. And you're welcome to use the definition anytime you want. All right. Comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Thank you very much to Jesse for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy Well, when I'm good, I'm very good. But when I'm bad, I'm better.